Hello, and welcome to episode 118 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling, and for the foreseeable future, Star Wars storytelling. Here to help me hop on the Ahsoka hype train are my two faithful Padawans, uh, the Ahsoka to my Anakin, the Ezra to my Kanan uh, Jarrus, Caleb and Luke. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. Uh, so if you guys were Star Wars characters, would you be Jedi or or what kind of character would you be? I'd be a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Caleb, what do you? What would you? Would you be a Jedi or are you you're you're mulling it over? I think I would be me. You would be you. You would be your own <laughs> character. No, I think I think I would. Mando's hard not to to be, or not to want to be. Jedi would be in that same category. Yeah, I, I would be a Jedi, but I see I see your attractions to uh, to the to Mandalorians. There, it's hard to argue, except they just fight with each other so much. Um, actually, I have a question for you guys before. So I, I said we're going to be talking about Star Wars here for the foreseeable future, and it is true because Ahsoka is coming down the line very quickly, uh, just over a week. Um, by the time this episode drops, uh, Ahsoka will be starting Ahsoka the series. But I do have one question for you guys before we kick off the um, the Ahsoka uh, love for the next couple for the next really for the next couple months um we never finished talking about secret wars and i'm not looking to have a long discussion about it because i'm pretty sure there's a reason we never finished talking about secret wars uh, do you mean secret invasion oh i'm so sorry yeah yeah secret invasion i put the, the wrong i'm see i'm already in star wars mode i said secret wars like it's star wars yeah secret invasion thank you we never finished talk we never really talked about the ep, the the fine the finale and i don't know that i'm really looking to i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give you guys the opportunity um to to just put a cap on that on that series and and i don't want to do any spoilers uh, because this isn't a secret wars episode, a secret invasion episode. This is a, a rebels episode, but just to put a, a cap on that series, no spoilers. What did you guys think about the, the finale or the series overall? Like just in a, like a, a one word recap, if you will, or just a couple words. Cause I, I sort of have an idea of what you guys think about it, but I just wanted to, for, for completion purposes, sort of put a pin in that show because uh, I have my thoughts on it, but I'll I'll ask you guys first. They should have kept it. <laughs> just the whole series, they should have just kept it? Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. Luke? I have said this many times, and I will say it again. After I watched Infinity War, I had two thoughts. Or no, Endgame, sorry. I had two thoughts. My th- first thought was, one, wow, that was incredible. And two, I have absolutely lost faith that anything will ever come as close to Endgame. And nothing has been. It's all been downhill. It, And I think it's it's hit rock bottom. I don't think that it's going to get much worse. But, 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 Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> you did like Great that. Great movie. <laughs> Not rock bottom. Oh, well, great. I don't know about great. It's fun. 
<laughs> uh, I I tend to sort of ag- agree with you, Luke, that like it's hard to follow up, not just Endgame, but like the whole completion of Endgame. But I'm not going to go on on a Marvel um, rabbit hole here because we're here to talk about Star Wars, and I'm pumped. I'll just tell you guys my final thoughts on Secret Invasion, and it's this. They should have made it a movie. They shouldn't have done a TV series. I don't think they needed to do a series with it. I would have. They don't even need to release it in, in um, what's it called? Uh, in theaters. I would. I would take it as a Disney Plus movie. It was the shortest in runtime, and it's the lowest rated Marvel show uh, of all of them. Maybe I'm thinking about the the finale, but whatever. I I didn't dislike it, but I don't think it needed to be a six week long series. I think a movie would have been perfect. So, all right. Yes. You know, I hear you. But you know what I think they should have done? Kept it. Kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kept it. There were things that I liked. All right, but that's it. So, so there you go. For for any of you guys that were uh, listening to the show and listening to our secret invasion ca- recaps, I felt like we needed to do you guys justice and at least give our final thoughts on the series um, before we moved on. But uh, you know, honestly. Uh, there weren't a ton of people listening to our secret invasion episodes, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, and that yeah. tells us, and that tells you something. So, um, but that's done. We're done with secret invasion. Let's move into star Wars, star Wars world. Um, and let's do this. The Ahsoka series drops in a matter of days. Um, but it's not going to be an Ahsoka episode. We are here to talk about rebels. Um, because we know that the show is going to have a lot of ties to Rebels, just even based on what they've shown to us uh, in trailers and whatnot. This is going to have, I mean, Hera's in it, Sabine's in it, Chopper's in it. Who knows what el- who else is going to be in it? So it's going to have a Rebels flavor to it. So I figured we would do, a, uh, I started a Rebels rewatch, uh, and I've absolutely loved rewatching it again, getting ready for Ahsoka. And I just wanted to talk to you guys about Rebels. Um Luke, I remember watching the show as it was being released with you, but Caleb, did you watch it when it was on, like the first time it was released on Disney XD or, or did you wait for it to be over and then you watched it? Do you remember? I literally could not tell you. I load in and out of consciousness just based off of my internet provider. So I don't know how well I'd be able to recall factual when I watched it. Not to mention you guys have been coaching since like six o'clock this morning. So I chose a really good day to record with you guys being sleep deprived. I'm really looking forward to what this conversation turns into. I do have a very vivid memory of like we would do the whole DVR thing where we would record shows. And I remember watching like three or four Rebels episodes one weekend when you and mom were on one of your long road, very cold hockey road trips. I think you guys were in Minnesota and Luke and I. We're like in Palm Springs uh, playing a hockey game and then going and having a barbecue on a golf course. You remember that, Luke? And then we came home and watched Rebels. I do. Yeah, that was although it's all the while you, Caleb, you and mom were in Minnesota. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sorry. That wasn't really too fair of us to, to do, but. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. Okay, but I do know, Caleb, you did rewatch Rebels or, or you watched it recently um, when you were doing your chronological rewatch. So let's just, I just was, would, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say overall about the show uh, and how it fits into your Star Wars fandom and 
what you think just in a general sense. And I do want to give a spoiler warning because we will be going into details wherever we may go for four seasons of Rebels. So if you haven't watched Rebels, uh, go watch four seasons of it. <laughs> and we'll listen to our conversation. Uh, so hit it, hit me. What do you guys think about the show itself uh, in a general sense? Luke? I think it's the most underrated Star Wars project ever. I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves. I think the storytelling in it, I think the way everything just comes full circle in this show is so beautifully done. And I, I'll still take the Clone Wars over Rebels, but Clone Wars, I think it's gotten its day in the sun. I think everybody gives it the respect it deserves. But Rebels, Rebels has a special place in my heart. You know, I need anybody who doesn't like Rebels to reach out to me. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. That's it. I don't have anything. I just want to talk. That's all I want to do. Because, like Luke said, Star Wars animation is my favorite. I think it stands alone. There are certain scenes here and there in the movies that compare a little bit in my eyes. But there's just nothing else like uh, like Star Wars animation. Clone Wars had they gave it its flowers by having the proper send off in the final season. Mm. I'm hoping that the Ahsoka season will continue to give us a little bit more of what they left off at the end of Rebels, because there are a lot of question marks and they've never really hinted at any of it until a lot more recently when the the talks of Ahsoka were in the very preliminary portions. So if they can give them the same magnitude and same impact, same quality that the final season of Clone Wars had, I think it's going to be undoubtedly my favorite Star Wars project. Not necessarily the most underrated because I love that show tremendously. Um, But if they can tie it up well, bring in all the people that... Star Wars fans are hoping to see. I think it's going to be phenomenal. But to continue with Rebels, it is such an amazing story. It's fun. It's funny. It's it's almost like a coming-of-age story because of following Ezra through all of his stuff. But just, like, the, the, the story of it is just so phenomenal. I, I, I sometimes forget that you guys are really star wars animation guys uh i remember way back when we just i think it was the first time we recorded we did uh we did like a um, favorite star wars characters um uh, episode and animation was heavily represented in it and we talked about like your guys entry point into the the fandom and even though you guys were young during the prequel years like caleb you were born the same year as episode one, the Phantom Menace, and you guys watched the prequels as, you know, as you guys were young, you really did grow up with the Clone Wars. So that really does shape your fandom, doesn't it? Um, the the animation side of things. Well, I, I agree with you both about Rebels. One of the things I think it does so well is that it's such a tight and self-contained story, but it's also like... Um, it 
it blows stuff out into the galaxy, into the larger fandom of Star Wars so well, but it focuses on these characters, you know, the, the ghost crew, but at the same time, it's also tied in specifically to Lothal. It starts in Lothal, it goes away from Lothal, and then it comes back to Lothal. And that's one of the things, another thing that I'm going to get to that has specifically to do with Lothal, but it is really a self-contained story. It's just about liberating Lothal and the, and the thing that the, the, the effects that the, that the empire is having on Lothal, but it goes off on tangents with like Mandalore and looking for a base and the Bindu and all this stuff. So uh, one of the things that I like about it is the mystical aspect of, of what it does. And, and Dave Filoni is not at all afraid of, (laughs) using like the mystical and going out going crazy i think about like the mortis arc in the the clone wars right he's not afraid to do some zany stuff and he does some zany stuff also with with um uh with rebels uh so one of some of the things i think about is like the loath wolves right in the in the last season um then like the purgle of course, the world between worlds. But what do you guys think about like the more mystical things that Rebels gets into? Uh, give me your thoughts just on on that side of things because they're not afraid to go a little bit off the wall and go zany with it. I love it. I mean, one of my favorite arcs in the Clone Wars is the thing about like the father and the son and the daughter, where Anakin and obi-wan and ahsoka go in into that like weird planet and we get so little of that in the clone wars the only arcs i can think of in the clone wars that are like that are that one and the one with yoda where he speaks with qui-gon oh right um but there's so much more of that in rebels and there's so many different metaphors and analogies in rebels and it it's so beneficial to all the characters because the galaxy is in such a dark place at the time. And we're talking about really young people. I mean, Kanan and Hera are adults, but they've sort of, they grew up in a very dark time. And then, you know, the rest of the young crew were born into it. So they didn't have masters of their own to teach them the ways fully. Now they're relying on, sort of supernatural forces, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoy it as well. I think having the time to just sort of follow that, that uh, almost lore, the deepened story, makes me appreciate the Force more because it's not just something that pushes and pulls things right they emphasize that it's something that you feel it's all all around you it's more than just like the force wielders who can use it right so i think having this extra like you use you use the word zany stuff that wouldn't necessarily be on a big screen for the super nerds to be able to watch it it makes them appreciate it more than they already do so having a guy like feloni pulling the strings and calling the shots makes sure that it's extra quirky in some instances. And sometimes it falls flat for certain people versus the same episode can be an absolute beloved by others. I think you're doing something right because if everybody loves it and there's not a lot of chatter on the other side, maybe it was too perfect. Not to say that too perfect is bad, 
but I like that a lot of these deep and not necessarily most popular episodes or story arcs are divided because it allows a conversation about it and we have a podcast so let's talk about it you know yeah exactly and and that's another thing that i think it does so well well you know i i wanted to add a little bit uh comment quickly to the mystical side of things like the the purgle was only in one episode and i think it was i don't even remember if it was in season two season one it was early on maybe it was season two but then the purgle ended up coming back at the in the finale uh you know, and and that's why here I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant, but I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it really short. That's why filler episodes are not they don't exist. That's not a real thing. Is that when good storytellers they'll use one episode to introduce something that ends up paying off, and you don't know when it's going to pay off, but it it pays off in a big way. And the Purgle is a perfect example of that. That episode where they introduce the Purgle, they're just going to some fuel depot to try to get fuel. It's like a fuel refinery and it's an adventurous episode where they get into a blaster fight with the mining guild. But during that episode, the purgle were introduced and they're causing issues and it, and it develops Ezra a little bit because he's, he's showing the ability to connect with, you know, nature and with animals. And then they're never mentioned again. They're not even brought up, but then in the finale. So I think, before, yeah, before you keep going, I don't want to keep hearing that. But um, I think it served its purpose because before his connection with the Purgles, Ezra was very dismissive of that aspect of being a Jedi or trying to be a Jedi. So he was just, let me use my laser sword and blast and do all this extravagant stuff for the sake of doing it. And then it sort of turned the page into a new chapter and allowed Kanan to continue to build with Ezra to be able to make sure that he understands all the multifaceted aspects of it. And I think that's why it's so important. And it's not necessarily, I I do think there are filler things. I, I will disagree with you on that, but I think it's week after week when it was being released, but episode long stories leading up to that, where they didn't have to make Purgles a giant yeah. thing. It can be just little Easter yeah. egg. And then that leads to your point of the finale. But it served an insanely important purpose for Ezra individually. Well, and another um, example of something that was planted early on and then ended up paying off is the world between worlds. And I didn't realize this until I rewatched it recently. And I happened to, well, you know, the, the, um, the internet knows everything, right? So I guess the internet must must have known I was rewatching Rebels because it started feeding me Dave Filoni like stories on Instagram, and it talked about he was talking about how he constructed the scene where um, Ezra gets his Kyber crystal it, early on, and I believe it was late in season one or maybe early season two when they went to the Jedi Temple, and he receives his Kyber crystal there. If you look at that scene, he's in the world between worlds but we just don't know that it's the world between worlds. The The whole thing is designed the same way. It has the, the stars in the background and it has just a couple references to like those circular line, the, the circular white lines. Um, but it's, it's definitely reminiscent of the world between worlds. And then near the end of season four, the world between worlds gets blown out to massive proportions and is used to, as a device to bring Ahsoka back. Um, 
Luke, what did you think about that whole world between worlds aspect of Rebels and the whole idea that was introduced into Star Wars lore um, through Rebels? To be honest, I still don't really understand it. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I know what I'm talking about when I say that when we talk about the world between worlds, but I think that it's the most unique thing we've seen in Star Wars, right? You know, I think a lot of the stuff that was established in A New Hope, um, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, everybody sort of based everything on that. And then they started establishing some newer stuff in the prequels, and it became a pillar of what everybody knew about Star Wars. But the world between worlds is something that most fans of Star Wars wouldn't know about unless they've watched Rebels. And even then, when you bring it up, a lot of people still don't know exactly how it works or anything. And it's something that I'd love to see explored because it's it brings a whole new element to Star Wars. It's not about fighting. It's not necessarily the force. You know, it's something in between all of it. And it's really difficult to understand. And I would love to see more of it because it's so cool. And it's I like that it has been introduced because it can be used as a plot device to do some really crazy things. I mean, we're really talking about time travel, right? But not just time travel, but also it's also geographical based, I guess, if in a way, because it's talking about a gateway through all time and, and space, I believe is how um, it was explained in that episode. But the fact that it exists in canon is just uh, it's just remarkable and it can be and i would love to see it used in the right way it could also be used in cheap in easy ways which i would hope that they wouldn't you know go back to but um if it if it works the right way um i think it would be great i just love that it exists i I love that it, it gives us that time paradox right like um the whole thing is like where was ahsoka so what was what how the whole thing, I don't, I can't even explain it. I don't even think I'd be able to explain it. He saves her from that Darth Vader fight. Um, and she didn't, she never really died in season two. So where was she for the entirety of season three and four? And then where did she go when she left, when they split ways in the world between worlds? There's so many questions, but I don't need answers to. I just love the fact that it exists. Um, Caleb, what's your take on the whole world between worlds thing? I, I don't know if I can explain it better than both of you, but it's a very unique thing. It's sort of like a pause button, like you sort of just alluded to right yeah. now, where if someone were, were to be in there and walk in at a different time, it's sort of like a teleportation device, but also like a time machine, but also none of those things. So again, to that uniqueness Luke talked about, but it's almost a perfect explanation for why things are a little unknown with certain characters like Ahsoka without having to dive too far into it, but also like drawing you in where you want to know more about it every single time you watch it or every time you think about it. So I don't know if there's anything else that they should do different or if they should even revisit it <laughs> just because it's such like a complex thing. If you really start to put your brain into it, which I don't do a lot of, um, 
<laughs> but it's just really cool. I, I'm just glad that it exists because, and, and I think it's really, it takes some courage to, it, to um, come up with a device like that and then to actually introduce it. And that's a perfect example of like, here's this, the, this little story about this little rebel cell. And here we are exploring like the, the vastness of what the force is in the star Wars galaxy. And I just think it's a bold thing to do. And I, and it's one of the reasons why I love Dave Filoni, because he's fearless when he does these kinds of things. Um, one of the- I agree. I also think it's a very slippery slope. It can be. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be treated as a get out of jail free card. And I don't think that they would do that. Um, and, not to like bring up secret invasion too much, but like I feel like that's sort of what that show was. I think it used the blip as sort of just a get out of jail free card. And I think when you get something as powerful as that and then you turn it into nothing, it either completely changes the tra- it completely ch- changes the trajectory of your story and it's either in a really good way or in a really bad way i agree with you and that's why i sort of brought up not to use it in cheap and lazy ways um but i even think that they addressed it in that episode because i had forgotten how it, how it sort of played out because i hadn't watched it in, in a little over a year or so so when they got to that episode I knew obviously that Ezra pulls uh, Ahsoka out, and but I also knew that there was a moment where they see Kanan because Kanan had just um, saved them and had died. I believe it was the episode before in Jedi Knight. And I was thinking as this was going through, I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. How? Why doesn't he just save Kanan?" And I couldn't remember why, but I remembered thinking, "This is a this you know." like you referenced uh, one of you referenced the get a, get a get out of jail free card, the just sort of an easy way to solve a, a problem could be this world between worlds, but they addressed it right off the bat. Ahsoka says, no, you can't save Kanan because when they're there, Ezra really wants to, but the way that Kanan died was by saving Hera and Ezra and Sabine. And if you took Kanan out of that equation, then the rest, then those three characters die. So they're already putting the basis for like, hey, this is here, but it's not just a cheap, easy way to get out of things. It was really well constructed, and I think it was amazing. I honestly didn't think we'd spend this much time talking about the world between worlds, but I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad we did. Um, but my point is, I think that they know that they can't, they can't go back to this well too often, and I think that's a good thing. But I love the fact that it exists. Another thing I love about the show is the heart. And you see the heart in the characters. Uh, I think about like uh, the heart that you see between Hera and Kanan. Um, the heart you see like between Ezra and pretty much everyone. Because he has moments with everybody in the crew. And even more so outside of the crew. Uh, you see it in Hera and Chopper. Uh, Zeb and Callus. What are some of your favorite uh, examples of, of the characters? Or do you guys have a favorite character from this show? And if you do, um, why? why? Why is that your, your favorite? One of my favorite moments is, I don't know when it is. I want to say it's at the end of season one, where 
they're fighting the Inquisitor, what we know as like the Inquisitor. Yeah, the Grand Inquisitor. And the Grand Inquisitor. And up until that point, we haven't seen, I don't know if we had seen any other Inquisitors. And he's like hanging off a ledge and he's going to fall to his death. And Kanan says something to him like, just give up or you're going to die. And he says something like, there are things worse than death and then let's go and just falls to his death. And to me, that's what really made the show serious. And when that happened, you're like, Oh, okay. Like this isn't just for kids anymore. Like this is, this is real. And I always think back to that whenever, you know, you talk about the really serious stuff like Kanan sacrificing Mm -hmm. himself or all the stuff on Mandalore. Because to me, it all goes back to that moment. Yeah, that line is is a, is very heavy. Some things are worse than death, uh, and and I remember with the Grand Inquisitor, they had been building him up as like the villain for the show. I remember when the show was, um, what's it called? Uh, it, uh, announced, and they started to introduce some of the characters, and some of the hype was being built for the show before it was about to premiere, and they started talking about this Grand Inquisitor. The way I understood it was like this is going to be the big villain. And these, this Inquisitor tracks down Jedi, and, and I'm like, oh, well, this is the villain of the show. And then first curveball, he dies in the, in the finale of the first of this first season, and I didn't expect that. And then they go on and bring on other antagonists that you know were completely unexpected. So, yeah, uh, the Inquisitor, he, he was a, an, excellent, um, an excellent villain for that first season, and it just got better and better as the season went on. Uh, Caleb, what about you? How about your, you know, favorite moments from characters or a a favorite character of yours from the show? I think I'm going to use a loophole and say the ghost is my favorite (laughs) character because, uh, just the entire dynamic of that group, as long as they're together and even trying to get back together, we see a lot of it in the bad batch where it's like, okay, let's protect our own, but also make sure we're doing the right thing. You see that in a very different um, organization, in a different sort of manner with the ghost. You see everybody looking out for each other like they're siblings rather than just like trying to get the mission done, much like the Bad Batch. But it makes me feel like it's very different than the chemistry of like the Millennium Falcon where it's a great ship. It's... A hunk of junk, but you make sure everything, the, the mission is done. But there's a different kind of bickering and snarkiness. And it's just like the familial aspect of it, of the ghost and making sure they're all taken care of while, quote unquote, hating each other <laughs> the whole time. I think it's phenomenal. And Chopper, just being Chopper all the time, Zeb being Zeb all the time, none of them change who they are based off of who they're around. They're always themselves and always sticking to their own gut, but also making sure that they're doing their own thing because they're a, one cog in this giant machine that is the the ghost. So having the different um, relationships, like Hera doesn't treat Ezra the yeah. same way as, uh, as, Ka- as uh, Kanan or Zeb. There's different levels of respect and trust and just all that. And it's just... I think my favorite, if I had to pick one, would have to be 
mm-hmm. Kanan, just because he's so awesome. Eyes, no eyes. There's no preference to me because I take off my glasses. I'm blind <laughs> too. Um, but I would say a close second would be either Zeb or Chopper. Chopper, just because he's awesome all the time, and Zeb because of his growth and his forgiveness and all that stuff. It's just it's hard to pick one favorite. The um the episode between uh with Zeb and uh and Callus is is it's un, it's unbelievable. It's I, I I don't know how many times I've said on this podcast that I'm a sucker for a redemption story, and Callus is right up mm-hmm. there and like Mount Rushmore of redemption stories. Um, not only did he learn something, I just thought, I just thought it, that episode was so effective because all for all the obvious reasons, but the last scene, like one of the last scenes when Zeb has been saved and the empire shows up and saves Callus, you don't see them save Callus, but you see him back on the ship and he's limping. Cause he's got that, you know, that he busted his leg. And Zeb is back on the ghost and he's surrounded by his friends and his family that he loves. And Callus is walking through these dark, like lifeless halls being passed by without acknowledgement, limping to wherever he needs to go. And he goes back to his quarters and he puts down that like glowing thing that was keeping them warm uh, on like his nightstand or whatever is next to his bed. And I just thought that that was such beautiful visual storytelling because it's like he's brought light back into this dark place that his existence has been. And it's a visual reminder, like there's more out there. So when he turned into Fulcrum by season three, um, and then obviously a full member of the rebellion by season four, he's just such an amazing character. And I'd loved, Oh gosh, could you imagine? Um, that's okay. I, I I don't want to go down that road quite yet because, because I'm going to save it. But what I'm trying to fight myself against is the implications and the ability that the rebel stories and characters set up down the road. So we're going to, we're not going to go there quite yet, but cause I wanted to talk about side characters first or like the supporting characters. Um, but yeah, the, the agent Callus and Zeb stuff is, is amazing. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could pick a, a favorite um, rebels character. I'm not sure. Yeah. I can I, I can finally pick one. The Lost Cats. <laughs> Lost Cats. I got to go Kanan. Kanan? Why? Yeah, to me Kanan is like for someone who's been through so much, the fact that he's still able to remain in every sense of the word a Jedi, it's it's incredible. He doesn't The guy like barely finished his Jedi yeah. training and he's over here being a great master in like one of the darkest times in the galaxy's history. So I don't think it gets better than that. I'm really, see, I could give a, a case for every character and why it could, they could be my favorite, but I'm, I'm going to go with um, the potential for what the future holds to sort of be the basis of my choice. And that's going to be <laughs> in classic Colby cast fashion, a tie Sabine or Ezra. And I'll tell you, Sabine is amazing. Sabine. I love her story arc or her character arc. I love the, the, the whole message of her 
you know, having to get over her past and the quote unquote betrayal of her family. I love all the Mandalorian stuff. When I saw Bo-Katan show up in the, in the first couple uh, episodes of season four, like I came out of my chair because of all the stuff that's been going on with Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian and, and since rebels uh, and without Sabine, you don't get any of that stuff. So Sabine, and then the potential for what's going to happen in the future with Sabine, I think that um, we could be seeing things that could be pretty exciting going forward. But I, I sort of had a 180 with Ezra on this last time that I watched uh, Rebels. The first couple watches of Rebels, he was just sort of like grating to me. Uh, he was, you know, he's very immature in the first parts of the season. There's so much bickering that goes on that was never a big um, favorite part of mine. Was the, I, I've never enjoyed the bickering that that happens a lot in the earlier parts of the of the series. But his growth in in the fourth season and his temptation with Maul and the temptation with the dark side, even before Maul, um, was just. Uh, I don't know. It just sort of resonated with me more this time when I watched it and the maturity that he showed after Kanan's death really, it really, it really excited me for what we're going to get in the future. I don't know if he's going to be in Ahsoka in the series. I don't know how much of the future storytelling will involve Ezra, but I'm super excited that he's still in play. And that's why I think the show is one of the reasons the show is so smart um, is that. So um, let's talk about side characters, though, because I think this this show has amazing side characters. I'll just tell you right off the bat. My favorite one is Hondo. Every single time Hondo's on the screen, I, I, I literally laugh audibly like um, a lot. I love Hondo. I love how they write Hondo. I love how sleazy and and double crossing two faced he is, but at the same time, there's some kind of genuineness to him. And he says this thing in the last episode, he says something about, um, they're talking about Ezra and he says, I'll do anything for that boy. And, um, and I believe it. Like, I believe that Hondo would do that. And so he's my favorite, but you've got him, you've got as Morgan, you guys remember as Morgan, that slimy pig looking thing. Oh my god, yeah, now that you say the pig looks He's so gross. I mean, the fact that they sold Hera to him, um, like, in the first season is such a gross idea. Uh, But then you've got um, Visago, you've got Rook, that um, crazy assassin guy that was tied to Thrawn in the fourth season. Um, AP5, that droid. Uh, You've got Gregor and Wolf, the clones, and of course, Rex. Uh, So what, what... I already told you my favorite was Hondo, but of those like side characters or supporting characters who all came back in the fun, in the finale to fight this big attack on Lothal, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, who, who were, who did you guys like the most of those, those uh, sort of zany side characters? Ketsu mm. Anya. Yes. I forgot to mention. I her. don't yeah. care. if I don't care if she's only in it. Very, very limited. She is easily one of my favorite characters just based off of one, her ship is phenomenal. Shadowcaster. No yeah. doubt about it. Shadow Shadowcaster. But her dynamic and her almost reluctance to help Sabine again, I think is something that I would watch happily. Whether it's uh 
one episode in a season or a whole like timeline, whatever it is, I would love to see Sabine pre what we were introduced mm. to her in Rebels, see all of that and just see the dynamic between Ketsu. Because you can see there's a there lot is. of history just in that one scene. They're helping each other. So I think that was my out of left field side favorite character. But it's hard not to love Honda. <laughs> That's a great call, though. Ketsu is a great, uh, a great side character that plays an important role in the in the last season too. Luke, I got to go with Rex. I'm just a sucker for clones, and Rex is the alpha clone. I've always loved Rex. Um, I was disappointed when you said him because I wanted to be the one to bring <laughs> him up, but just seeing him just made. It made the show so real in the Star Wars universe, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff in the Star Wars universe that feels isolated, right? And Rebels was the first thing in that time period between Episode 3 and 4. And now we have so many different stories in that time period. But bringing a character like them, like those clones, into it, it really made it feel like all of Star Wars. I also love having Saw Gerrera oh, yeah. in it because the guy just, he's in everything. He has been, he will not go away. He's in um, Clone Wars. He's in Rebels. Andor. He's in um, Andor. He's in um, Rogue One. Rogue One. The guy is just all over the place. And for a guy who was introduced for a three-episode arc in Clone Wars, you see so much progression in him, and he becomes such a legend. And just, like, his name means so much to the people. And you can tell so much about a character just by how they react to somebody saying his name. So I love that he was in it, too. I'm so glad you brought Saw up. I forgot to put him in my notes. He's I love the idea of Saw Gerrera, right? That he doesn't fit into really the way the rebels are trying to do their things. And a big deal with rebels is not about, it's not about um, whether you should or shouldn't fight, but how you fight. They bring Kanan and Ezra talk about that multiple times. And in one of the episodes with Saw Gerrera, and I love that he has that dynamic. He's almost like a mirror for the rebellion to look at and say, okay, where are we? Are we, are we a Saw Gerrera or are we a Mon Mothma? Are we a General Dodonna or are we a Saw Gerrera, right? So it's not only about winning the, the fight or should you fight. It's just about how you fight. And I love that he brings that sort of gray um, kind of way of looking things. And it forces the rebellion to be honest with themselves. Uh, so great call. Very good call. Um, your comments on Rex, you know, and I almost didn't mention him when I said Gregor and, and um, Wolf, because I sort of, I, I think of Rex as a main character in the show, um, but I'm glad you brought him up. And, and one of the reasons, another thing that I love about the show, it, Rex is a good example of it because Rebels not only continues the story, but it also exists on its own and it connects to other stories, but in a real and genuine way. And you see that in Rex and uh, Gregor, especially I feel like, because at the very end, uh, you guys remember the finale, part of the finale, they have to go down to the shield generators and they attack like this part of the shield generators to get the shield up 
over the city because the Thrawn is above them and is going to bombard the city. Gregor goes down there and he gets shot during that attack. And at the end, when they're able to, when everything is said and done and they're safe, Rex goes and he's reunited with Gregor. And Gregor looks at him and says, you know, Rex is upset because he's about to lose his friend. But Gregor says to him something to the effect of, it was an honor fighting again with you, Captain, in a fight that we chose to fight. And that I think those were like his last words. I'm like, oh, it gave me chills. That is a lot. Right? Because, I mean, if you didn't watch The Clone Wars, it may not be quite as impactful. But if you watch the prequels, you could get it. But The Clone Wars, we got to know these clones. And we knew why they existed and all this. And then he just, you know, it just shows such uh, an affinity and a knowledge of Star Wars for whoever wrote that line. Probably Dave Filoni or someone else that that, that, that was part of the show uh, for a long time. But they clearly knew like that's just so powerful to me. And that's one of the reasons I love it because it, it, it continues past storylines. It connects to other storylines. Um, you know, we've got storylines focused around Geonosis, right. And the whole, um, the bugs. I remember some creepy storylines from Geonosis in the clone wars. And of course that's where they were, uh, uh, constructing the death star for a long time. And that's the, you know, the battle of Geonosis in episode two, then you've got the whole Mandalore storyline. Um, you know, the side missions, they like connect to the larger rebellion, especially during season two and season three when they're not really on Lothal. They're always going after some kind of like proton torpedoes or gas. And it and it shows you how big the rebellion is, but how they're not functional quite yet. We get a little bit of that in Andor, but we got it here in Rebels first. And I just love how this show does it. I love how it shows us how important Lothal is. I mean, we had never heard of Lothal before in Star Wars, right? Before Rebels, it was not a thing. But now, Lothal, we know, has a Jedi Temple. These Loth Wolves can literally like take you from one side of the planet to the other through some type of Loth Wolf hyperspace lanes. <laughs> or how about the post-war development? After, you know, in the, in the finale, you see Sabine walking out. Uh, when she sees uh, Ahsoka's ship show up. And you can see in the distance this big, massive capital that has been built up. So Lothal clearly is is important to the Star Wars um, galaxy. So, you know, those are just some of my my favorite things is how it continues storylines and connects to others. Uh, how about you, Caleb? What, what, what are some of the things that you liked most about Rebels and how it connected to the larger Star Wars story? I think it's very unique in the way that you mentioned Lothal. It's very centric to that planet. Of course, they explore outward. They're very much trying to survive. They end up doing jobs, but it's always back to Lothal. And for a time, they can't go because now they're being tracked and they know that that's their home planet. They're going to isolate it. They can't go back. So they just survive. And they do everything that they can do to continue to not just get by, but to survive and improve. And then they ultimately make it back so that they can make it their home again. And there's not a lot like that other than maybe the Jedi Temple in different movies where it's a default return place for Jedi. Um, But even then, they're expanding. They're in different sectors of the universe and stuff. So I loved that it was able to always have a quote-unquote home base, um, but not be stuck there and not only being 
uh, only exploring that one. Yeah, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening there when we go back for Ahsoka because it's. I mean, we know we're going to Lothal because there's stuff in the trailer uh, with Sabine, and you can clearly see it's Lothal. Uh, Luke, before we move on to our last thing, what about you? What are some of the? What's something that you enjoyed most? How it connected to other um, parts of the Star Wars story? I love that it kept the Jedi Order alive. There's a lot of other stories that are going on, like Cal Kestis is still a Jedi, and he's doing his best to preserve the Jedi Order. But there's nothing quite like having a master and a Padawan. And it's not the traditional Jedi Order, right? You know, he's still doing some of the old training that Kanan did, but Ezra's very much like other Padawans where he was rebellious and it stayed true to its roots of the Jedi Order while still adapting to how the world was or the galaxy was at that point. But I think my favorite thing about how it ties in everything is mm-hmm. Mandalore because my favorite part of Star Wars yeah. has always been Mandalore. I love anything to do with Mandalore and I love that they were able to bring in so many different stories that are now tying directly into the Mandalorian. And then the future and of what that means, right? Because now we've got Mandalore through the Mandalorian. Bo-Katan is now the leader of Mandalore. The Darksaber is no more, but um, I mean, it's just so many things in this show that I feel like more now than ever after having watched this rewatch and seeing now where we are with Star Wars through the Disney Plus shows and the future of we what we know is coming through movies or what we hopefully will get through movies. Um, so much of Rebels can be credited with planting seeds about that. Uh, you mentioned Mandalore. We've got Ahsoka coming up. What these characters could mean to a future um, Jedi Order, which we know we're getting a movie about with Rey at some point. You know, is Ezra going to be involved in that? Will Grogu be involved in that? It's potential. We have no idea, but it could be out there. So um, before before we move on to the last fun little bit of things I have planned, uh, I did want to hear about your antagonists because we have some cool antagonists. We've got all the Inquisitors. Vader is an antagonist in the show. Thrawn, Maul. Uh, who is your favorite antagonist? Even the Emperor got into things at the end. Um, Emperor, Pal- Emperor Palpatine, uh, who did you guys like the most as an antagonist uh, throughout the show? Caleb? Okay, I'm going to sound ignorant. I don't care. The blue Is Thrawn the green dude? Yeah, Blue-ish blue. green, yeah. That, he is, he's, he's, the goat. he's my favorite. Yeah, it's not... It's not by a large margin, but he's just always mm-hmm. so cool always in control and it never seems like he if he's behind he's not that far behind he's just intuitive and even like the scenes where they have Hera's uh what is it what is it called the that's that's the one when he has it he knows what it is he knows what it means he has it on display to show okay this is a very important piece of family history yeah history really and I'm going to show it off because eventually you're going to cross paths with me and I'm going to pretty much yeah. flex it on you because I took everything from you. And you get to see him in sort of like his own training 
But even then, it's like, it's just natural for him where he's fighting and it's just like he's not even breaking a sweat. So he seems like he could go toe-to-toe with the best of the best, but also have the same strength physically as he does mentally. And he's just a strategist and that's a dangerous combination for for people we yeah, want to root true. for good, you know? Uh, I, I can't argue with one point of that. Thrawn is something else. Luke, what about you as far as antagonists go? I love Thrawn. Thrawn is awesome, but I will always go for Maul. I love Darth Maul, and I think his scene oh. with Obi-Wan might be the best scene in all of Star Wars. The, the way that that whole scene is constructed it just makes everything come full circle. And like I said earlier, the whole show just feels full circle, right? Maul goes back to um, Obi-Wan, right? They go back to Lethal. And I think that he provided, Maul provided an element that no one else had really provided to the show, which was giving Ezra an out, right? Because Ezra already had so much pent-up aggression and anger and he would have made a hell of a sith man if he if he decided he could have been a great sith because he had the same as anakin he had some pent-up aggression but it allowed he was an obstacle that allowed ezra to no longer be a boy and become a man and i think that you know he might not be the most important villain but I think he has one of the biggest impacts. Well, if you sure. go back and watch uh, an episode of the um, Disney Gallery where they're talking about the Mandalorian, Dave Filoni goes on this ten-minute monologue about uh, the important of the importance of Duel of the Fates and how the loss of Qui Gon is like one of the uh, pivotal points in Star Wars because of how it affected Anakin. Um, Maul was at the center of that. Right. And he, and for every reason you just said about what he represented to Ezra is the same thing. Who knows what Ezra's going to turn into in the future? I don't know. But whatever it is, um, Maul was at the center of him as well because he did have some anger issues. Incredible. That's, yeah. Um, I, I have trouble not picking Vader just because he's Vader, but he was just in that second season mostly. But I'll tell you, he was. The fight with him and Ahsoka is one of the most emotional things in all of Star Wars. And I'll tell you that the ep- the last episode of season two, Twilight of the Apprentice part two, for me is peak Star Wars storytelling. And doesn't have anything to do with Vader, but Vader was at the center of that fight. And the scene I'm thinking of, and it has to do with the visuals, it has to do with the music, is the last scene of the show on that season. And it's um, after all is said and done, Ezra and Kanan and Chopper have returned to the ghost and they sort of like the camera sort of like um, pans through the ghost starting in the cockpit. And then it shows every uh, character in their quarters or doing their, their duties. And then it shows Ezra in his quarters and then it pans to Ahsoka sort of like walking into this dark doorway um, back on Malachor and it shows Vader walking away. And I have to tell you every single time I watch that scene, I get emotional. Like I shed tears because of the, how powerful it is. It is just so incredibly powerful because it's a great culmination of that season, but it's also just every bit of storytelling that I love 
firing on all cylinders and i'm so happy that it's part of star wars and for me it's it's peak star wars storytelling invader is there so um all right well i think that's going to do it uh that's all i got for rebels as a matter of fact how about how about you guys you got anything else you'd like to add before we close the door on the ghost all right well in that case uh we're going to call it a show uh next week i really want to talk about ahsoka specifically not the show, the character. Of course, we're going to get into the show, but I want to talk about Ahsoka Tano uh, because we're about to get uh, like seven weeks, eight episodes of something I'm really excited for. And I want to talk ab- about that character. So um, come back next week and check out what we have to say about Ahsoka specifically. But uh, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank you all for listening to us talk about Rebels. Uh, so for Caleb and for Luke, this is Colby reminding you don't come back without the Melu runs. You can find the Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby Cast. If you're wordy like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.